Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Make your business official with Google and Squarespace. When you create a custom domain and a beautiful business website with Squarespace, you'll receive a free year of business email and professional tools from Google. It's the simplest way to look professional online. Visit squarespace.com slash Google to start your free trial. Use the offer code WORKS for 10% off your first purchase. Google and Squarespace. Make it professional. Make it beautiful. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry is over there. So, this is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast. Something large on my chest. It's the devil. It's the devil. Is it? <laughs> hey, Chuck, you okay? What happened? Uh, you were just having what's known as sleep paralysis, buddy. Whoa. It was close to it. But my touch, my gentle touch, broke you out of it. That actually soothed me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding, people. I was acting. That was stagecraft. Yeah. And uh, we were, well, we weren't debating because I was wrong. <laughs> but we were talking about whether or not we had done this yet. We have not. Uh, like I said, I was wrong. We've bitten around the edges of it so much that I, feel I could like, see how you would think. Yeah, so. I feel like if you pulled every little bit of sleep paralysis out of all of the episodes where we've talked at it. Uh-huh. Talked at it? We we talked at it, not about it. <laughs> you go away, sleep paralysis. Yeah, well, uh, the most recent one was either exploding head, probably, or s- night terrors. Yeah, um, and we specifically stopped talking about sleep paralysis <laughs> so that we could save it for the actual episode. Yeah, those are always good ones. So finally, here it is. Like we'll be on an interesting train of thought and say, no, 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 stop, no. stop. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what we did too. I remember the first time this came up was in transmagnetic stimulation, the thinking cap one. Yeah, this has popped up a lot. Yeah. Well, it's pretty interesting stuff. Agreed. And it's been around a while. You know, um, the word nightmare, we use that to describe like bad dreams. It's actually incorrect usage. Oh, yeah? Nightmare was originally intended specifically to describe sleep paralysis. Huh. Because night means night. Sure. Then mare or mayor, M-A-E-R- E, that extra E in there really messes it up. Yeah. But it's old English, so I don't know if I pronounce it correctly or not. And neither does anyone else alive, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but that um, that specifically means an incubus. And an incubus was a type of devil 
like the one that was just sitting on your chest, a male, a sex-crazed male demon. I didn't who, specify that. Who would, uh, well, I'm just making assumptions here. Oh, okay. Who yes. would come to you while you were sleeping and uh-huh. sit on your chest and maybe kill you, try to kill you, and you couldn't do anything about it. Uh, yeah, I'm into, I'm into the succubus and the incubus. <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm open-minded. But that's exactly <laughs> right. The incubus is the male version of the succubus or the old sex crazed hag that sits on your chest. So this, yeah. this whole idea of, of, of this has been a, around for a very long time. It's steeped in the supernatural and we're only just now starting to figure out what sleep paralysis is. And to me, it's even more interesting now that we understand it a little more. Yeah. I did not know the exact definition of incubus mm-hmm. until this uh, research. And now I hate that band even more. Do you? Yeah. Sex crazed demon, yeah, male demons. I wonder if that's what they were going for. If they were just like, oh, that, that sounds no. cool. No, I'm sure they knew. Yeah. Well, I'm hats off to them for realizing that. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> making a, a medieval era nod. In they they might have just thought it sounded cool. Who knows? Uh, who who am thinking, I to judge? I'm thinking you're right. I clearly know nothing about good band names. That's not true. I thought you always come up with good band names. No. Well, I don't know if other people agree. They're good to me. Has someone been? No. Oh, okay. No, no one's dogging Has me for the Someone been mean names. on Facebook? No, no, no. <laughs> I should say about that. No, you but my own band them. name is not. No, I like it. But El Chipo. We're named after a gas station. Where? El Chipos are. I know in the south, like South Carolina, mm-hmm. and like I've seen them in Savannah. Okay. Coastal. I, southeast. I, I thought that was a coincidence. They're El Chipo. Oh no, it is. It is a coincidence. It is, but people send me pictures of El Cheapo gas stations, which oh, okay. I always delight in. So you, you're not named after a gas station? <laughs> no, Because okay. <laughs> then we would be ExxonMobil, because that's a great band gotcha, name. Gotcha, sure. Everybody loves Exxon. Uh-huh. What have they ever done? Nothing. <laughs> All right, so um, the, the strict definition, well, I guess it's not strict, but the definition we're going to give... And where did you get this article? This is good. Oh, yeah. We, we better shout this out. This is straight out of the British Psychological Society's journal. I could tell it was British. It was, yeah, because they say whilst and stuff like that. Yeah. Way off. <laughs> um, but it was written by Julia Santamaro and Christopher C. French. And I believe they're both sleep paralysis experts. I know for sure Professor French is because I also saw a video of him on Vimeo. Yeah. Um, just basically talking about this. And he had a sweater on that said expert. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so sleep paralysis, how they define it, and I agree, is it's a period of transient, consciously experienced paralysis, either when going to sleep or waking up. And um, I think I was under the misguided notion that it was almost always in the transition of waking up. And it sounds like it's even more common mm-hmm. when you're going uh, into sleep. And that is the... Uh, hypnagogic stage right. as opposed to the hypnopompic stage. Right. Coming out of sleep. Yeah. So I think, I, I don't know why well, I got that impression, but I think I was wrong. I had the same impression. Oh, yeah? Yep. Probably came from us, each other. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever had sleep paralysis? No. Um, I not either. But I did want to mention that I did, uh, told you I had an exploding head syndrome mm-hmm. uh, experience after we did that show. Right. Two or three nights later, it happened to me for the first time ever. Yeah, I, I was worried about getting this last night. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want this. Well, that that's a bad way to go about it. Yeah. Because that will get it in your head. Yeah. And we should say it's actually, like you said, it's 
kind of common, right? Well, I mean, depends on who you ask. I've seen everywhere from a third to half of people that might experience this at least once. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as chronic, uh, uh, chronically, it's not nearly that common. No, it's something like... Um, Do we have stats on that? Yeah, they're in here somewhere. Something like 3% three to 6% of the general population experience what's called isolated sleep paralysis. And that's if you don't have narcolepsy? Yeah, that was the big thing I didn't realize, is that sleep paralysis is a, a major symptom of narcolepsy. Which, yeah, we should do a show yeah. <laughs> And that came up, and I was like, "Well, let's just replace sleep paralysis as the show we got to do." Yeah, I had a great aunt, uh, great aunt Laura from Mississippi that had narcolepsy. No, really? Yeah, and I didn't get to see her a lot in life. This was my father's mother's sister, mm-hmm. um, but I remember very specifically my brother and I going like one time to Jackson, Mississippi, or Tupelo, I think, mm-hmm. where she lived when I was like twelve. Yeah. And she would do the, you know, she would nod off while talking to us and wake back up and finish her sentence. So it was like she wasn't even aware that she nodded off? No. And, um, of course, you know, I thought it was funny at the time. I was a little <laughs> kid, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. Sure. It can probably be quite dangerous. I imagine so. Yeah. I would guess it's kind of hard to come by a driver's license if you are diagnosed with narcolepsy. I don't think Aunt Laura drove. Yeah. She was one of those that. Probably wouldn't have driven anyway. Oh, gotcha. You know? She's like like a Strickland type? Eh, you know. Just, like, oh, I don't want to drive. Come pick me up. <laughs> she was just, uh, like, we had to take the keys for my grandmother, that kind of thing. When she was drinking? No, when she was, when she was, got to an age where she could oh, I see drive safely. Yeah. It was, she, we were like, Grandma, you can't drive anymore. You know, in Japan, they have these very prominent, like, magnets or stickers that you put on a car. Um, one's like a triangle. I can't remember what the other one is, but maybe on board. One means kind of, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, not at all. Right. It's um, one means uh, this is a new driver, yeah. Like usually a teen driver, so everybody steer clear. Mm-hmm. And then the other means this is a very elderly driver, so everybody steer clear. I would love one of those in my car. It, it's like I don't understand why this isn't universal. Yeah. You know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I would like one just to keep people away from me. <laughs> just to leave you alone? Yeah, like back off. You put on like, <laughs> like, uh, what was the guy's name from Phantasm? Oh, I don't know. Angus something? <laughs> yeah. You put on a little wig like his, a little skull cap <laughs> while you're driving, just to really drive it home? Uh, that was a, an accidental pun just now. I, I didn't even catch it. I said you, you put it on while you're driving just to drive it home. Oh. To drive the point home. Yeah, and I made a really good accidental pun when we were talking about hunting. And I said my dad didn't hunt. I said it's not like he wasn't. He was trying to take a stand, or mm. he wasn't trying to take a stand, <laughs> as in a deer stand. Yeah, totally missed that. Uh, all right. So the deal with sleep paralysis is how you know that you're experiencing it is uh, you can open your eyes, uh, you're conscious, but you are aware that you can't you can't move. You can't move your body. I mean, it kind of varies between severity and individual mm-hmm. experience. Right. But the common thing is, is that you can't move. You feel paralyzed. Sometimes you can't even make a noise. Yeah. It's that bad. And, and the problem with not being able to make a noise is that it particularly sucks in instances like this because you want to scream. Yeah. Because most of the time when you are experiencing sleep paralysis, you are in the grips of terror. Like yeah. you, 
wouldn't ever normally experience. You are scared out of your mind. You have an impending sense of death. Yep. Um, and you have all sorts of hallucinations. Basically, of every every sense could conceivably hallucinate, right? Yeah. So you have auditory hallucinations where you hear something in the room with you. There's, I should say, there's also like a, a sense of presence. I guess. Of like another thing? Yeah, there's something in the room. Usually it's something that means you harm. Yeah. So you sense its presence. You might also hear it. You probably also see it. And uh-huh. it can be anything from like that succubus or incubus sitting on your chest. Um, or both if things are getting a little kinky. <laughs> right. You're like, you're both here. Yeah. I didn't think you'd find out about each other. And you're like, well, let me wake my wife, but I can't move. <laughs> right. So you're just sitting there <laughs> laying like, this is getting weird. And she's going to be so mad. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you can smell them. Yeah. You can taste them. There's something called gustatory hallucinations. Yeah. Um, and then also the sense of feeling like of moving and, um, of pressure on your chest. Like you, you feel all this stuff, like you're experiencing it. Yeah. And, um, I think pressure is one of the big ones, like s- someone sitting on you, right. uh, not allowing you to move. So, um, our own Robert Lamb wrote an article about this on our site too, not about the full thing, but about like why is it, uh, why are they demons usually? Okay. And that was kind of one of my questions: that why is it usually a malevolent spirit, mm-hmm. and why isn't it you know, whatever some fantasy, right? Which is like uh, a rod <laughs> saying like, "Hey, you want to go play catch or something like that?" That that would be yours. No. no. Okay. <laughs> Isn't he like the most hated man on the planet now for some reason? Oh, I mean, he kind of went his end of his career. He was not very well liked. Why? What did he do? I didn't pick up on it. He did a lot of steroids and lied about it for years. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. He was like a repeat offender that consistently was like, I'm not doing steroids. I see. I don't know why all these drug tests are saying I did. <laughs> They're like, you have a syringe in your arm. <laughs> um. Robert said, and you know, he didn't like make this up, but his research indicated that, um, someone's beliefs going into it might, uh, conjure up these negative connotations. And when the experience itself is marked by like a pulse rate increase and labored breathing sometimes, mm-hmm. and these, it doesn't lend itself to like a good experience. Right, right. Because, um, so Professor French concurs with Robert, right? He's, he was saying like, the the fear being usually a hallmark of the sleep paralysis uh, paralysis experience is not just you're afraid because you can't move and there's something in the room with you. That's part of it. Yeah. But he's saying your amygdala is also hyperactive right then. So you're experiencing fear on like its own terms. Right. It's like its own freestanding symptom uh-huh. that that. Even if like this, even if it was Lucky the Leprechaun, you'd still be super afraid that he was in the room with you, kind of thing, because yeah. you're you're like that region of your brain that's that's delivering these jolts of fear to you is working overtime. Then it becomes that bad Leprechaun movie. Yeah, yeah, the one Jennifer saw. Aniston. Oh, was she in that? Yeah, yeah, I never saw those. I never did either. Um, well, it had also said, speaking of movies, that like your own like what kind of pop culture you're into like sure. all this stuff can play into it because they are it's sort of like an extension of a dream right so um if it's you know agitated by like labored breathing and rapid pulse rate and a nightmare right then it's not going to be uh you know 
A-Rod floating in onto your chest <laughs> with a baseball bat. Unless you're super scared of him, then it might be. So let's take a break, man, and then we'll come back and talk about some of like the cultural interpretations of what the heck's going on here, okay? Sounds good. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey, everybody. It's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. So, Chuck, remember we were talking about like how nightmare is like an old English term for sleep paralysis? Yeah. It's been around for a while. And there's, and it's basically, it seems to be universal. Yeah. And so, since it's uh, interpreted by the person based on like what their culture believes in, um, there have been like different interpretations of sleep paralysis throughout history and cultures around the world. And they're, pretty interesting yeah and if, and most of them the common thread here is that uh and even in modern terms they're described this way sometimes but definitely in the olden days it was almost always some sort of supernatural right thing like a witch or a, a norway or i'm sorry newfoundland yeah uh, they called it the old hag uh-huh. which is creepy just hearing that uh and china the ghost oppression uh, because apparently the Chinese believe that you're you're very vulnerable, your soul is when you're uh, asleep. So I think that's sort of the common thread here there's, in all these countries. There was a, I took an anthropology class and I can't remember what it was talking about in general, but one of the things that seemed to pop up around the world was something called spirit intrusion. Yeah. Like when you were sleeping, your spirit got up and walked around. 
And if like the tether between your spirit and your body was severed, you were like anybody could come and possess you. Wow. And it was a big, like that, that was a big explanation for mental illness in cultures around the world. So I thought that was interesting that that was also an explanation for, um, for sleep paralysis too. Yeah. It, I think it kind of depends on whatever the, the leading ghoul is in your country sure. and region. Uh, because in Europe, of course, in the 1500s uh, through the 1700s, it's going to be witches. You were witch ridden. Uh, there was, uh, at one of the witch trials in 1747, uh, this woman testified about her husband in bed and he said he was laying there stiff, barely drawing breath. And he woke up and he said, my Lord Jesus, help me. Oh, fiery witches took me to Maramaros and they put 600 weight of salt on me, uh, which we're laughing at. But if you break it down, that has all the hallmarks uh-huh. of all the different hallucinations, whether it's traveling or the weight on your chest, right. or uh, you know the the all the, these tactile, the witches. yeah, hallucinations, like wrapped up into one nightmare. Sure, with exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, there were weren't there. Um, in uh, I thought this was pretty interesting. In um, Saint Lucia, the Caribbean island, they have a term called kokma, and they think that it's the little unbaptized babies who are haunting the area wow. that are that are causing sleep paralysis or doing all sorts of horrible things to you while you're sleeping. But you're not sleeping. We should. Re- I want to restate this again because I, I, it's a little confusing. Yeah. When you're experiencing sleep paralysis, you're laying there and your eyes are open and you know that something's in the room with you. Maybe it comes over and climbs on your chest. When it does, you can feel its breath in your face. Yeah. You can smell and taste its rank breath. <laughs> you can feel the pressure of it laying on your chest. Uh-huh. It's staring you in the eyes, and you cannot move. Not only can you not move, you can't make a sound as much as you're trying to scream your head off because you are scared out of your mind. Yeah. And this experience can last from a few seconds to, I've seen up to 10 minutes. Yeah. And from anecdotally, each second of those 10 minutes feels like a decade. Oh, I'm sure. Because you're just so scared, and it's just going on and on and on. Yeah. So um, it makes total sense that you would say, uh, there was a spirit in my room last night. Yeah, because if not, you you think I'm losing my mind. Right. So let's blame it on, I mean, we'll get into some of the other reasons, but yeah, blame it on something else. Right. Like in, in Japan, uh, Kanashibari um, is, is now, they believe that it's evil spirits messing with you. Same thing in Korea with uh, Hawi Nulita. Hawi Nulita. Nice. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good pronunciation. And like we said, though, these are all sort of versions of the same thing. Right. Um, no matter where you go, which I always find interesting. Yeah. Like these sort of universal, regional things. And then most recently, though, the and this is where I think we first came into sleep paralysis with the transcranial magnetic stimulation episode. Yeah. Was that um, it, it, it's to blame for basically every UFO abduction account. Oh, yeah. Was that where we talked about it? Uh-huh. For sure. Um, they have done studies, and they found that if you... Uh, I think if you believe in alien abductions, if that's part of your belief system... Right. Then you're more... 
or, or did they do the study of people that experienced sleep paralysis and all of them believed, you know, maybe in UFOs? I think they did the reverse. The I think reverse. People who have report having been abducted by UFOs. They experience sleep paralysis. Yes. Okay. They well, have a sense. higher frequency of experiencing sleep paralysis. Gotcha. Yes. So they just, the people study this and they just fold their arms and go, mm, okay. Right. Yeah. It was an alien. Yeah. <laughs> but there, I mean, apparently in the UFO lore, the, it, sleep paralysis has been accounted for. So like you, when you're abducted, you remember being paralyzed before and after, um, but you, they wipe your memory of the actual like abduction out, uh, but they leave the sleep paralysis. And like, I remember in X-Files, I think when Fox Mulder's sister was taken, like she was levitated off the bed and like just stiff as a board floats out the window. Yeah. That's classic sleep paralysis symptoms where you can't move. Yeah. And yet you still feel like you're floating or sure. you're moving, you're levitating or that there's 600 weight of salt being put on your chest. <laughs> um, I love salt. So that might not be a bad thing. You'd be like, this is delicious <laughs> and terrifying. Just inch it up toward my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be the part that was making you crazy. Yeah. I couldn't get to it. <laughs> Uh, they say it usually occurs when you are lying on your back in bed, although it can occur in any position at all. Cause one of the accounts, this article is cool cause they have, have firsthand accounts. Yeah. One of the guys was laying on his stomach and he felt the demon, the incubus, I think on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was a succubus. I'm not sure. Um, and you can break it. Sometimes it happens on its own. Sometimes uh, you can break it on your own, on purpose. Right. Uh, they recommend, and this is a good idea, I think. They recommend to try and, like, instead of saying, i got to get up and run out of here, they say to try to, like, just blink or, like, lift your little finger or right. just any conscious movement that you can get can break that thing. Yeah, and apparently the moment you do that, the spell is broken. Yeah. Um, is how it's been put forever. Um Herman Melville was the first, I think, to write about this. And Moby Dick, Ishmael recounts sleep paralysis. That book again? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think 25 or 50 years later, the first time um, it shows up in the medical literature, yeah. Silas Weir Mitchell, who we know from the exploding head syndrome, right. he, also ex- he also described that for the first time, too. Yeah. This guy was, like, knocking out the parasomnias left and right. Oh, yeah. Um but they both use this terminology that the spell is broken. All it takes is just the slightest stir, and and the sleep paralysis is over with. But the problem is, you can't move. You can't make a sound. Um, they said to even try just clearing your throat. Yeah, but even that can be challenging. Yeah. But supposedly, if you can even get just a little bit going. Yeah, yeah. You you wake yourself up a little bit, and then you can do it a little more and more and more, and then all of a sudden you're screaming. Yeah. And you've woken yourself up. Or if you can make a sound or a signal or something to get your partner help something yeah. to notice that you are in the midst of sleep paralysis, all they have to do is just like touch you. Right. And it brings you back to reality or this reality. Yeah. And it's not one of those things where, you know, it's dangerous to wake someone up experiencing sleep paralysis, right? Isn't it like totally fine? Yeah. That's the other thing about it is as terrifying and horrifying and just what a horrible experience it is. It's Physiologically, it's harmless, aside from raising your blood pressure. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could always, like, trigger a uh, cardiac arrest or something, maybe, but... Right. Well, supposedly, it mimics um, 
having a heart attack. Oh, that's fun. In some ways. So you actually could be having a heart attack and, and think it was sleep paralysis. Or um, I think it also mimics uh, epilepsy in some ways. Right. Um, so diagnosed. But if it is just actual sleep paralysis, it's harmless. Well, yeah, and I know we did mention this. It might have been the transmagnetic, uh, transcranial magnetic yeah, yeah. simulation yeah. where they recommend one of the things is to just tell, or it might have been night terrors, tell people just to like learn to embrace it and go with it. And then it doesn't, because sometimes it can be a joyful experience. Right. It's not always terror. Yeah. And maybe if you roll with it. You can control it a little bit more. It was a uh, it was exploding head syndrome. That's that just, just learning that it's actually harmless. Yeah, same thing. Like let people. Some people just got over it immediately, right? Um, and then other people, um, yeah, with this have learned to actually enjoy like the feeling right. of levitating or yeah, floating. I would. And it all comes down to hearing that it's harmless. Yeah. And hearing that it's harmless relieves stress. And stress is actually what brings both of those things on. Yeah. So they're related in some way. And we'll uh, we'll get down to the scientific nitty gritty after this break, huh? Chuck, yes, sir. If you're trying to eat better, tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named Best Hybrid Mattress 5 Years Running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. All right, dude. What's what's really going on here? Old hags aside. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess we should talk about narcolepsy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because this is one of the, I guess, side effects of narcolepsy. Um, there are actually a couple of them, sleep paralysis and then what's called vivid, uh, hypnagogic hallucinations. 
uh, which is when you're falling asleep, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. And apparently, if you're narcoleptic, about 17 to 40 percent of narcoleptic or people who uh, have narcolepsy. Is it wrong to say narcoleptic? Probably. Probably. I think with any any condition or disease, don't like identify the person. Yeah, as that's the not, disease. Right. Yeah. It's somebody with it. That's right. So somebody with narcolepsy. Nice. And I nice. want to hear from you people, by the way. Some people who who have narcolepsy will be like, oh, yeah, I'm a narcoleptic. I don't care. And other people will say, like, kudos right. for saying people <laughs> with narcolepsy. Uh, 17 to 40% experience sleep paralysis uh, if you uh, are stricken with narcolepsy. 20 to 40% experience those vivid hypnagogic hallucinations. And um, it pretty much is individual as far as uh, as how much you're going to have these and how much you experience it whether you uh, have narcolepsy or not. Um, but if you are non-narcoleptic uh, in that population, which is most people, um, 20 to 60% uh, of those folks apparently will experience it at least one. It's right. a pretty wide range. Some people experience it very frequently. Um, and apparently if you have basically chronic um I th- yeah, I think it's called severe and chronic sleep paralysis. Right. So severe is um, where it happens like multiple times in a night, and then chronic is where that happens over a period of six months. Yeah. If you're one of those poor SOBs who has chronic severe sleep paralysis, uh-huh. this can happen to you like up to 12 times or more in a night. Yeah, because when you go back to sleep, it'll happen all over again. Right, yeah. So that was one of the things. when you're when you're If you're moving a finger or blinking an eye or making a sound, and you wake yourself up, you want to actually get out of bed and get up and move around to basically shake it off. Yeah. Because if you don't, you can fall back asleep and the same thing's going to happen again and again. Then even more mind-boggling is this. One of the other traits of um, sleep paralysis are what are called false awakenings, right? Right. Which is some straight-up inception stuff. Yeah, where you think you're awake and screaming, but you're not. Right. Then you wake up and realize, oh, I was dreaming that I was awake and yes. experiencing sleep paralysis. So It's a bit of a mind-bender. It is, including that these false awakenings, according to Professor French in that video, can can be several layers deep. Yeah. So when you have an, a bout of sleep paralysis and you finally scream and wake up, you realize, oh, I was dreaming, right? Mm-hmm. You might experience it again. Right. And then you do the same thing, and you, you, you go through this multiple times until you finally actually do wake up. But you can go through sleep paralysis over and over again in different layers of a dream. Yeah, and then you get up and you go to work at your stupid cubicle, and no one around you has any idea uh, you, of the living hell that you're experiencing. Right. Or just the amazing journey you've just been on with A-Rod. <laughs> uh, one thing that really stinks is if, you know, to combat it, like you said, to get up and fully wake yourself up, that that could screw you. If you have a hard time falling back asleep, you might be up for the night. Right. Uh, and this one person in here described the feedback loop of stress. A lot of times stress is what bring, brings it on. And then it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. that you're stressed out about what's going to happen, which makes it happen. And you're just thinking, oh, no, no, not, not again, not again, not again. And, of course, that's when it happens. Right, right, right. So, like, the stress... Is it, is messing up your sleep pattern. And that's where the whole thing comes from, right? So the first two guys who were described in the medical literature by Silas Weir Mitchell, um, as having sleep paralysis were actually healthy, but it was people with narcolepsy who 
ultimately led to basically the solving of the mystery of what sleep paralysis is. Yeah. And one of the characteristics of narcolepsy is something called sleep onset REM periods. Yeah, that they think that may be the key there. I, I think it's the key. Yeah, so what that is, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about REM sleep. Uh, that usually happens uh, about an hour or at least an hour or more uh, after you've fallen asleep. And what's happening here is is SORIMP. Can we call it that? Uh, yes. <laughs> sleep onset REM periods is when you are experiencing this REM before that hour or so has passed, like right as you're falling asleep. Yeah. You go straight into that REM sleep. So like I think in my own private Idaho, either Keanu Reeves or River Phoenix, when they like fell asleep. Yeah, one of those said narcolepsy, right? Yeah, one of them. I think so. Um, like their their eyes kind of fluttered. I think it was River. Okay. So like that was a perfect perfect portrayal yeah. of narcolepsy because your eyes would flutter during REM sleep and it would happen immediately if you had sudden onset REM periods, right? Right. So the idea that somebody can fall asleep and immediately go into REM sleep rather than go through the sleep cycles and uh-huh. stages like you're supposed to, that apparently is what accounts for or is associated very strongly with episodes of sleep paralysis. With people with narcolepsy. With people who have SORIMPs. Because right. you don't have to have narcolepsy to have sleep onset REM periods. It's a, it's a trait of narcolepsy. But even people who, who don't have narcolepsy can experience that. And usually it's when you're very stressed and your sleep pattern is out of whack. Yeah, I think what I was trying to say was that doesn't explain when you have a sleep paralysis episode coming out of sleep. Right. Which is the hypnopompic. Right. Uh, but I think it was probably, uh, who is it? Dr. French? French. Professor French? Uh huh. Mr. French? In the, in the <laughs> conservatory with the candlestick. Uh, Professor French, I think, reasons that it doesn't fully explain it, but it could relate because it's a similar state of consciousness either way. Right. Falling asleep or waking up. Yeah. So basically exiting or entering REM sleep suddenly into this reality yeah. can can be attended by an episode of sleep paralysis. Yeah, and they did some uh, studies in Japan. They actually elicited that SORIMP. These are mean. Yeah, <laughs> don't you think? Uh-huh. I don't know how they would do that, but they elicited SORIMP in participants, uh, and they used sleep interruption, and 9.4% uh, of the ones induced had an episode of sleep paralysis. Yeah, but that was... That was um, Going into sleep, correct. They've not figured out how to how to like you said create it and bringing somebody out of REM sleep, but again, it's associated with it. And yeah, wh- what they think is going on is basically this: when you when you suddenly go into REM sleep from waking life, your brain can get caught in this dual state of consciousness, yeah, where your brain is consciously awake. But it's also in the exact same same um, state it's in when you're dreaming, which your dreams take place in REM sleep. So you're in two states of consciousness at once. That's amazing to me. Yeah. That's sleep paralysis. And the paralysis is explained by the fact that another hallmark of REM sleep is that you can't move. Your muscles are paralyzed. It's yeah. cataplexy, right? Um, so that you don't act out your dreams. So you're dreaming 
while you're awake. That's sleep paralysis. Yeah. Or as Dr. French says, uh, wakefulness has occurred, but the body and part of the brain are still in REM sleep. Nuts. It is. I can't, I, I want to have one of these. Yeah, but it sounds so scary. I mean, yeah, terror. I'm, I'm up for it. Panic. These are the <laughs> words that are used for it. I know. I want to have one. And I'm not taking it lightly for people that suffer from it. I know it can be awful. Oh, yeah. But I would like to, like the exploding head thing, like now I know what that feels like. Yeah. And I kind of like having these references in life. Okay. Like personal references, you know? Sure. I remember we did the Slinky episode. You went out and bought a Slinky. <laughs> That's not true. Um, so like we said, how you can break it is by trying to move small things, clear your throat maybe. Um, aside from that, you can try and avoid it altogether by, if you're able to, have a really regular sleep schedule and stuff like that. But if you're, they make a good point, if you're traveling, if you're in different time zones, if yeah. you have to work the night shift. You have a kid? Yeah, exactly. Waking up all night, you might uh, kind of be, you know, at the mercy of the sleep paralysis gods. Yeah, I was... Um I was glad that they they put that in, that realism. Because so many times whenever you're talking about a sleep disorder, it's like the CDC recommends eating yeah. an apple a day. And it's just like, this is not helpful. Like, this isn't real. But this guy's like, yeah, you're you're in trouble when your sleep's all jacked up and you have sleep paralysis a lot. Yeah. What else is there? Oh, um, with narcolepsy in particular, and I mean, there are drugs that you can take but they don't necessarily work with sleep paralysis with with narcolepsy um sodium oxybate is uh prescribed and i looked that up as ghb yeah but that's just for narcolepsy not for sleep paralysis right, right. with the idea that if you cure the narcolepsy then you won't have the sleep paralysis that i think is how you could cure it but that's only if you have narcolepsy right not um isolated sleep paralysis i think the official recommendation aside from all the little tricks that we mentioned is, like we said, it's, it's, hey, it's not going to hurt you. Um, try and reframe how this is in your brain and don't be afraid of it. Welcome yeah. the incubus. <laughs> what if the band incubus was what showed up in your room <laughs> while you had sleep paralysis? Well, just I be don't like, want Man. that. Yeah. You know, another way to treat this is for everybody to be nice to everybody else and cut down on everyone's stress. You never know who has sleep sure. paralysis. Yeah. They might think they're being abducted by UFOs and anally probed every night and are too freaked out to even mention it. Yeah. Which is another thing that um, Professor French points out. Like, we need to let people know about this because sure. the more people we know that this is actually harmless yeah. and fairly common, the less stressed they're going to be about it when it actually when they go to bed. So yeah. go out there. You tell somebody about sleep paralysis and then also be nice to everyone you meet. Yeah, I posted a – there's a documentary about it. I um, can't remember the name right now, but I posted this documentary trailer mm -hmm. quite a while it, ago. It's on Netflix. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but I, I know what you're talking about. Like The the Dream? Uh, maybe. Something like that. It's got a pillow. But um, I posted logo. on uh, Facebook a while ago, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people chimed in that had uh, – bouts of sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. It's, apparently it's very common. Yeah, I went and looked through the comments today. It was pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. And I, my heart goes out to everybody. Same here. And hopefully you've learned just to sort of live with it, be a dream sailor. You live with it. And It'd ride be, it out. That would be kind of cool, though. So it'd be like levitation on. Yeah, control it. Mm -hmm. Incubus out. Succubus in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything else? No. 
if you want to um, learn more about sleep paralysis, well, just type those words in the search bar. So we have a very limited amount here on How Stuff Works. So after you read Robert Lamb's great thing, go check out stuff on the internet, okay? Okay. Uh, and since I said whatever I just said, it's time for listener mail. Uh, hey guys, I've been a fan for years. I was introduced to you on a 24-hour road trip with my best friend when I picked him up from the naval base and delivered him home to spend the weekend with his family. Uh, by the time we were halfway home, I'd been awake for almost 30 hours. We still had six to go. Uh, my friend put on the latest episode of Stuff You Should Know, and we reveled in the gloriousness all the way there. Uh, anyway, I wanted to write and say thank you for saving my butt. I am a neuropsychology major studying in Melbourne, Australia. Nice. I was uh, feeling very, very unprepared for an exam, but was reassured uh, by mother that my knowledge base was much wider than what I was taught in class. Thanks entirely to my beloved and off-reference stuff you should know. I laughed at the time, but did a little merry jig at my desk when I opened my paper to find questions and answers that I knew thanks to you guys. Uh, so thank you. And boy, he put seven exclamation points there. Ooh. That uh, translates into <laughs> money in some parts of the world, you know. Uh, upon learning that I passed with flying colors with a U, my mother caught, uh, bought me a card on the front reads, I want to listen to all the podcasts you do. Hmm. For a moment, I thought that maybe uh, I talk about you guys too much, but promptly dismissed the idea. So thanks for the show, for the awesome podcast, four exclamation points, <laughs> from one academic to several others, three exclamation points. Oh, it was starting to dwindle. Many, many thanks. That is from Tegan. Thanks, Tegan. Who uh, describes herself, I guess Tegan's a lady's name, right? Sure. Um, as a nerdy neuropsych major from Melbourne. Thanks a lot, Tegan. We appreciate that big time. And all the exclamation points. Those were very nice. Got a little uh, lazy toward the end, but... <laughs> right. That's turned right. the trail off. Maybe she broke the key. Maybe she has narcolepsy. <laughs> Good point. Uh... If you want to get in touch with us like Tegan, uh, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.